I've been to this building and this site before the building many times, um, but I think the last time that I shared with you in worship, you were still um, across the road. Um, and so it's, it's good to be here for, for the right reason. Um, I do have in my office one of the few photographs that's made it to my office walls is of the um, site somewhere around here and in the snow and the church leaders with shovels, one of whom was me, um, as we symbolically, um, I'm sure it was only symbolically, um, cut the, the sod before the building was started. So it's great to have moved in actually what is a relatively short space of time from that um, to now the fact you're well established here. And indeed, like you, um, we, I look forward to the arrival of your new minister, Matthew, and to all that that will mean in January. So good to be with you and to share worship, and especially on this Remembrance Sunday. And I'm very grateful to Joe for sharing the story that he did, um, which is a real story about how remembrance can work and how things kind of um, come together sometimes in ways that we just don't expect. Let's just share a moment of prayer. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our refuge and our Redeemer. Amen. Micah chapter 4 and verse 5. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. What a picture. It's an image of peace. Yes, of course it is. But I actually think that really it's much more than that. It is an image of transformation, an image of possibility. Today, rightly, we are focused on remembering, as we do on each Remembrance Sunday, year by year, we reflect on the sacrifice, especially of those who gave everything in trying to maintain the values and freedoms of our society. The two world wars of the 20th century are a key focus, but we also think of those who have been killed and injured in more recent conflicts. And that, sadly, is not something that we can say is over. Remembering is both important and valuable. It's part of what makes us human. Time and time again in the Bible, the people are encouraged to remember. They are to remember the role and contribution of Abraham. The rainbow serves as a reminder of the covenant between God and the people. They look back so often, in particular to David, the great king. And of course, when we come to the New Testament and especially to communion, this do in remembrance of me. Remembering does all sorts of things. It challenges us, it inspires us, it encourages us. It links us to the past and it gives us signposts as to how to live in the future. It provokes a great sense of thankfulness for those who have done all the things that make the society in which we live what it is. Now in saying that, of course, I know 
as you do, that there's a lot that's wrong with society. But that doesn't alter the fact of the great giving of so many to build a better world. Micah lived and prophesied during the 8th century BC. His ministry took place in that part of Israel that was at that point known as Judah. And during the reign of three of the kings of Judah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. It was a time when the people were prospering, but not all of them. The rich grew fat on these sufferings of the poor. Money was power, and power was used to grab more money. Some things don't really change, do they? Micah was concerned with the ethical issues that faced the people of Judah. He came to the city from the country and saw the good, but saw also the greed and the corruption. Bitterly, he complained of those who lay in bed plotting to seize the fields and homes of others. Women were driven out of their homes, forcing their children into slavery. And Micah sees that it isn't wealth that trickles down from the rich to the poor, but greed and violence, so that homeless folk on the streets are mugged. It's all there, in a sense, in Micah chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Lately my people have risen up like an enemy. You strip off the rich robe from those who pass by without a care, like men returning from battle. You drive the women of my people from their pleasant homes. You take away my blessing from their children forever. The problem is that piety of a sort and profiteering are going hand in hand. And in this way, the poor are savaged and God is mocked. But Micah's message is that it will not always be like this. He delivers a scathing attack on the corrupt officials, both religious and political, who have so exploited the people. This unfair state of play will not last forever. And Micah lifts the eyes of his hearers to the mountain of the Lord which will tower above all human achievement and to which in God's good time all people will flock. And then God will judge between the nations and everyone can live in peace. Armaments can be melted down and turned into tools and swords into plowshares. Now this fantastic vision, which comes of course also in Isaiah, is one which inspires every generation, and so it ought. As it has done through the centuries, it should move and challenge us today. It's a marvellous picture, isn't it? And this great theme of, of peace, that profound peace, is an enduring one. 
my first ever sermon, which frighteningly I worked out last night, I preached over 40 years ago now, was on the theme of peace. Our world needs peace as much as ever. War, terrorism and violence, though, persist. Year on year, indeed, month on month, if not week on week, sometimes day on day, there are stories detailing our inhumanity towards each other. This week it happens to be the court-martialing following something that happened in Afghanistan. A week or so ago it would have been the story of the U.S. incursion into Pakistan and the um, assassination of an al-Qaeda leader. And of course there are pros and cons, there are ins and outs in all these stories, and I'm not going to go there and say what I think about the stories. But the mess of violence is very much still around. Sometimes we try to suggest that our time has a monopoly on major crime and war, and I'm really not sure that that's true. Though the two major conflicts of the 20th century and some of those that followed and continue to follow are marked by technological advances which impact the horrific possibilities. But one of the things that we need to say alongside that, it is also important to note the different ways in which human beings damage each other and so produce the need for intervention. I would always want to argue with Micah for peace and for peacemaking. But I am clear, as I think Micah was, that peace at any price is no peace at all. Peace needs to walk hand in hand with justice. And if that is not happening, then there is something that needs to be addressed. And it is that addressing that we remember today. Of course, one of the things that is different in our age is communication. Hard though some of our young people might find it to believe, Facebook and Twitter and all the social media are very, very recent arrivals on the communication scene. Even email and mobile phones have actually not been around very long. We live in a world which people can cross in a matter of hours. And through the media, especially television, we are more aware than previous generations of the variety of life across our planet. And we can watch what is happening on the other side of the world as it is happening. And there's much that is wonderful about all this. But sadly, it also means that we are all too aware of the possibilities and the realities of violence and bloodshed. We have seen the pictures. And Micah says, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Micah paints this vivid picture for us. The sounds of the passage, the nations speaking, the hammering of swords and spears, into plowshares and pruning hooks. 
the voice of the Lord Almighty. The visual images of the passage, the mountains and the hills, the streams of people, the swords and the spears being transformed, and the vines and the fig trees, the smells, the mountain air, the dusty roads, the heated metals as they are transformed, the smell of the trees. And the, the textures, the things we could touch if we were there, the jagged and rocky mountain peaks, the cold, sharp metal. That's Micah's picture. That's the context in which he says, something needs to be done. That's the place from which he says, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. And as we look around, as we read the newspapers, as we listen to the news on the radio or watch it on the television, we are so aware that something needs to be done. It's obvious, but what can we do? Who are we to solve the problems of poverty or to affect the affairs of the nations? Even Micah saw the mountain of the Lord as being something that would come through God's action and not through any kind of human achievement. Though that didn't stop him from speaking those powerful words. History is the record of millions of individuals, both singly and in groups. We used to be taught the kind of history that was just about kings and queens, as though the ordinary people mattered nothing and made no contribution. We now know that to be, well, if not bad history, at least, at least incomplete history. But often in the church, we fall into the same trap, illustrating our themes and challenges with descriptions of great saints and spiritual giants. Now, of course, sometimes we, we need to be inspired by such stories, and they do have their place. But I wonder if it is not more often the case that we're actually simply entertained by the stories regarding their achievements as far too high for the likes of us. And when we forget that it is ordinary people who make up the bulk of the body of Christ, then we are on the wrong track. And so how good it is that we've, we've heard that story that Joe told us this morning which reminds us of those many ordinary stories, but actually they're very important stories. We matter. We are all God's saints. God does choose to depend on us and on the contribution that we make. Whatever it is that we do for God, it's important. And this passage from Micah with its amazing vision offers us cause for hope. As Christians, we are people of hope. We are those who believe in God's transforming possibilities. And so as today we remember and reflect, we give thanks for those who, as the Kohima epitaph says, for our tomorrow gave their today. I've slightly changed the wording. Sometimes that is still happening. 
And as we stand on the brink of the centenary of the start of the First World War, we think of those in the many conflicts since the two world wars who have made the same supreme sacrifice. We need to give thanks. It's right to give thanks. But we can't leave it there. We need to, to pray for peace, to work for peace, to try and establish the kind of society that was their vision and for which they gave their all. And as people of faith, we are surely called to be at the forefront of such prayers and actions. John records Jesus' encouragement to us, love each other as I have loved you. If we get that right, everything else will begin to fall into place. And impossible as it might seem, the incredible vision represented in Micah's expression of hope will begin to be realized. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. With God, transformation it's possible. Amen.